Hi there, Monica White, Licensed Mental Health Counselor here. Welcome to Boost Your EQ. This is the podcast where I teach the most important psychology skills you can learn to build abundant, thriving relationships with yourself and the people around you. In this episode, I'll discuss 14 ways to reduce burnout for a healthy work-life balance. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at wellbe2go. And on my Instagram, I usually make worksheets that correlate to some of my podcast episodes. So if you find me on Instagram at wellbe2go, you'll see the checklist titled 14 Tips for a Healthy Work-Life Balance. So let's get this episode started and I'm going to start with the 14 ways to reduce burnout for a healthy work-life balance. In last episode, I discussed eight tips for a joyful morning. And in the episode before that, I discussed optimize your workday. So time boundaries, morning routine, emotional energy, and effective time management. I touched on the subject of career burnout. And so I'm going to discuss burnout a little bit more in depth and give you tips on how to reduce burnout so that you can have a more smooth day and be able to enjoy a life both in work and outside of work. So number one is time management. Number two is take mini breaks. Number three is take notes. Number four, shred your notes as you complete them. Five, drink water. Six, take the full time for lunch. Seven, leave work on time. Eight, boundaries. Nine, stay in your lane. 10, brand yourself. 11, have a sense of humor and creativity. Number 12, exercise. 13, keep a sense of perspective. 14, enjoy a life outside of work. So those are the 14 ways to reduce burnout for a healthy work-life balance. I'm going to break each one down and talk about them and explore them a little bit more in depth so that we can actually implement them practically into our day. So number one, time management. Time is actually a really complex subject. I didn't realize there was so much to time. Um, But in the case of our workday, so there's specifically only so many hours in a day, and we are at work usually around eight hours. Hopefully not more. I do know people who work more, um, but typically a workday should be about eight hours. So within the eight hours, we should have a certain realistic expectation of how we're going to manage our time. In a healthy work environment, you will generally have a sense of what you need to accomplish in a day. If you don't know what you need to accomplish in a day, go back to the job description. So as you know by now, my niche is students and professionals, high-functioning students and professionals in metropolitan areas. So most of the clients that I work with do work full-time and they're on a career path. And they're also most likely middle management, so they may be a supervisor, they may be a manager, they most likely have a supervisor and boss above them, and then they may have other people under them that they're training or they are managing. So middle managers, right? Even middle managers have a job description. Every healthy employee environment has a job description. So if you don't exactly know what the expectations are, go back to the job description and reread it in it can give you a sense of time and how to spend your time during the day. So for example, if in my job description, 
the basic minimum is to see two clients a day, um, that's the minimum, then I know that anything over that is above and beyond. Other things in my job description are scheduling meetings, working with people. Um, there's just, there's probably a list of 30 different things that are in my job description. So I can realistically take an inventory of how to structure my day. So some of it should include talking with other coworkers. It should include coordinating care. It should include attending staff meetings, consulting with my supervisors. It should have a certain description on my time, how many hours I spend and how much time I spend with patients or clients. So if you're confused about time management, go back to your job description and, you know, reread it so that you can realistically take an assessment of what's expected of you at your job. So once you know what's expected of you at your job, you can pace yourself and you can manage your day. You could say, hey, I need to see at least two clients or patients today, but I also do need to attend work meeting. I do need to respond to work emails. How can I do that? Um, realistically in my day while taking care of myself. If you don't have a job description and you are a supervisor or a boss, well, then it's even more crucial that you attend to time management and then you have to structure your day and make sure that it's something that works for you. So you want to pace yourself during the day and make sure that you're getting the tasks done that need to be done, but also not overwhelming yourself. You know, doing them well enough and moving on and staying solutions focused. So number two is take mini breaks during the day. So this is about us, self-care, right? So this is about our self-care. So taking mini breaks during the day is just really practical. How does this translate into a practical day? So let's say I sit down at my desk at 8 or 8.30 in the morning. You know, in an hour and a half, I should take a mini break. I should get up, stretch my legs, go walk down the hallway, um, check in on some other stuff. So every 90 minutes, I recommend um, take a mini break. And no one is going to give you that mini break. That's just something you build into your day so that you can be realistic about how to manage your time. Mini breaks can include anything that you think is helpful so that you can decompress and just take a little mental break. Number three, Take notes, make checklists, and cross things off your list. One thing I always recommend, and I've noticed successful people do this, is they have a notepad with them. So you want to take notes as you hear things that are important to you. So I don't try to remember everything in my mind. That leads to overwhelm, and quite frankly, our brains just can't keep everything in our memory bank. So you want to take notes, write them down, you want to make checklists, I constantly have running checklists of everything that I need to get done and I don't keep it in my head. Anytime I try to keep things in my head, it just becomes very stressful and my brain can't keep things focused. So once I accomplish them, I cross it off my list. All throughout the day, I'm constantly taking notes. I'm making checklists. I have post-its or I have a notepad. And then every time I complete it, I cross it off my list. Which leads me to number four, shredding your notes as you complete them. Obviously, you don't have to shred your notes. I do just because, you know, if anything is sensitive information, you want it to go into the shredder or the... I tend to shred most of my notes or put it in the recycling shred bin um, that's in my office. So that way, once I take the notes, I make the checklist, I cross things off, um, anything related to work, I shred it and let it go. 
So number five, drink water. This is something that I never used to do when I was younger. However, it's so important. You can take a 32 ounce stainless steel bottle. I usually fill that with water at least twice a day and I make sure to drink it. A lot of people are averse to drinking water, um, but we do wanna drink probably at least two 32 ounce stainless steel bottles with water. So that's quite a bit, but if you refill it twice a day and you have it at your desk, then you're likely to drink water all day long, which is really good. And then you can take a mini break to get water and, you know, to use the restroom, that sort of thing. So that's a way to pay attention to how you're managing your time and it kind of helps break things up as well. Number six, take the full time for lunch. You know, I know I do know people that work through lunch. I don't think that's a great idea personally. I guess it just depends on you. I always take the full time for lunch. It's definitely a good time management thing. Lunch is when I reset for the afternoon. And sometimes, most of the time, I get stuff done that I need to just for my personal stuff. So I definitely take a lunch break. Also, for me personally, because as I've mentioned in the morning, I don't have such a great morning routine. So my lunchtime is when I'm starting to get a bunch of stuff done. Afternoons are usually my most productive time. It just depends on you. If you're a morning person, then obviously you're going to wake up super early at five or six or seven in the morning. You're going to have a complete morning routine. And then by lunchtime, you may not need to take such a big lunch. The reason I take a big lunch is because I don't love breakfast. I have a small, tiny breakfast, and then I don't really eat dinner because I work out in the evenings. So I don't like to eat and work out at the same time. So lunch is my huge meal of the day, and I take it super seriously. So for each person, it's different, as always, but I do want to encourage everyone to take the full time for lunch. So number seven is leave work on time. This one seems to be a difficult one for most people. As I mentioned in, a, in the previous episode, leaving work on time is super important. There are people that have a hard time leaving work on time. So work is important, but we should have a personal life outside of work and things to look forward to in our personal life for self-care and to build like joy into our life. So you wanna leave work on time Sometimes I've noticed that I get a lot of work at the end of the day, like three or four o'clock. Sometimes it's not my, my issue. It depends. You know, if I leave things for the afternoon, then I have to be more careful about starting things earlier on in the day. Number eight is boundaries. We don't necessarily want to have too much small talk. Um, so don't want to be talking about trivial stuff like in our life. So I always pay attention to my time boundaries. In the past, if I've had a coworker that talks too much about their personal life, that to me is a bit of a yellow flag. And then I ask myself, what is the point of the conversation? And that's not, that's not mean, that's just self-care. It's being assertive. Always trying to identify, okay, if this coworker is talking, you know, for 20, 30, 40 minutes about their life outside of work, then it's kind of a time boundary because they haven't really asked me if they have if I have 30 or 40 minutes to help them process. So what typically happens if if we don't have a goal during work on the conversation that we're supposed to be having, then it turns into processing. I'm sure hopefully if you've been in counseling or therapy or you've done coaching, you understand what processing is. Processing is when I'm processing through my stuff 
and another person is there. So if I'm processing through my stuff, you know, my hard weekend or my (laughs) routine or how tough it was to pay my bills or family issues or relationship issues, and I'm processing that at work, that's actually taking away time from my coworkers to actually focus on their work. So it's always kind of a yellow flag for burnout when somebody is processing their home life during work. And so for me, in order to not burn out, I'm hyper aware of time boundaries. And so I'm very aware of when someone starts talking about their home life that I give it a time limit. So I will will help somebody process their home life, but not more than, you know, 20 minutes, for example. So be super mindful of time because what happens with processing is we could just keep doing it. In fact, some people can process for hours. So you want to put a time boundary on it because then you just get tired. And if you've ever processed with somebody, you know that it's really tiring. So in fact, you know, as part of being a therapist, we process all day long. And in general, we should have really good time boundaries because the conversation needs to end at some point. And I always say after 60 minutes, we're not accomplishing anything. And really after 20 or 30 minutes, at that point, there should already be a goal in mind. So time boundaries are really big. You want to minimize work small talk and, you know, make sure that you're preserving and taking care of your emotional time boundaries. Number nine is stay in your lane and stay true to your training. So how does this help reduce burnout? Well, we all are trained to do something in our job. And as mentioned in number one, we have a job description. So back to number nine, you want to stay in your lane and remind yourself of what's true to your training. So a lot of times in in an unhealthy work environment, we'll be asked to do jobs and tasks that may not have a lot to do with our training or our job description. So you always wanna pay attention to what's your training, what is your professional standard, and what is the job description. So if you're asked to do things that are outside of your lane or you're choosing to do things outside of your lane, you want to in some ways get consultation for that because it may not be something that is not not just not worth your time, but it may contribute to burnout. So as I've mentioned, quite a number of people start doing things that are outside of their lane or doing things that are out of their scope of practice or training and that can lead to burnout. The way I see this is sometimes there are um, people who start becoming managers or they act like managers or supervisors, and if somebody's doing that and they are basically on your level, you wanna question, like, why are they acting like a supervisor or why are they micromanaging or getting involved um, in your lane, so to speak. So as I've mentioned, people that tend to burn out tend to jump out of their lane and they just do everything. (laughs) So then they start doing everything for everyone and then everyone starts being like, well, maybe that's not such a good idea. So number nine on ways to reduce burnout is you want to stay in your lane and stay true to your training. Number 10 is brand yourself. Essentially, What I say about this is share the fun parts about your life. So branding yourself is kind of the modern millennial way to speak. And I actually like it. Um, In therapy, it was 
I usually tended to think of branding yourself as narrative therapy. So narrative therapy is when you um, create a story about your life that is in some ways healthy, creative, inspiring, and it turns some of the challenges and obstacles that we've learned in life into something positive that helps others. So this branding yourself, um, nowadays in social media, everybody is branding themselves. And at first it seemed kind of awkward to me, but like everything, I've turned it into a positive and I actually do recommend this. So how do you brand yourself? Branding ourselves changes every seven years. For example, you know, in seven years, I'm not going to be um, the same brand as I was seven years ago. So we're all learning and growing and we should be changing. That doesn't mean that our personality changes or that who we are changes. I mean, we're still the same genuine, authentic person that we always are, but our branding can change. So, you know, in my business, I wasn't branded um, this way until two years ago. Um, then I branded myself as somebody that, you know, wants to work with young professional students and, you know, the young crowd, the young professionals in the big cities. Um, that just was the group that I really enjoyed working with. So in some ways, I've branded myself as somebody who really loves working with young professionals and students. So you want to ask yourself, you know, what are the fun parts about your life? Who are the people and the topics and the things that really light you up and really excite you and inspire you? And so by branding yourself, you're tapping into the type of people you want to attract, the type of people you love to serve, and um, then you share the fun parts about your life with, you know, your coworkers or your clients or your patients so that you have a brand. Another way that I help people look at how to brand themselves is I is I say you've we've all have the stereotype of the CEO so close your eyes and imagine the CEO uh, it can be a male or a woman it doesn't matter or you know whoever it really doesn't matter but let's say it's the stereotypical baseball CEO and I'm just this is not like a real-life example I'm just making up a stereotype so the stereotypical CEO that I'm imagining right now loves baseball, for example, and in his office are baseball memorabilia everywhere. So the first thing you know is like, hey, this person loves baseball. And so then in your mind, you start associating them with baseball. And so then next time you go to a baseball game, you are tempted to get them baseball tickets as a gift, for example. So that's just a way of branding. Another example is, for example, my aunt. My aunt loved strawberries. And in her house was everything strawberry, right? So she branded herself um, really early on. And so for the next few decades, everybody would get her strawberry stuff. And anytime you see a strawberry, you think of my aunt. It doesn't matter what your brand is. You can love football. You can love baseball. You can love birds. You can love sheep. I mean, knitting, um, painting, wrestling. Like it, it doesn't matter how you brand yourself but you wanna brand yourself and share the fun parts about your life. In my former job, I told everyone that I played tennis, which was true, I organized a huge tennis group. And so I branded myself by being that person who had a life outside of work. So instead of complaining about work all the time and um, being miserable and like just kinda self 
defeating, I branded myself so that when people talked to me, they knew that, hey, I don't have a lot of time because guess what? I'm excited to go play tennis after work. Um, so that's how I branded myself and sort of preserved my boundaries. So you want to think like, what's your brand? What are the fun things you can share about your life? In my current job, I, it's a really healthy environment, so I don't have to brand myself as much. My brand now is my service. So now I can brand myself as like, hey, I love working with younger people. Um, send all the 25 to 35 year olds to me and I love working with them and I can really help and serve them and give them all the best tools. So that's the way I've branded myself in my current job so that my coworkers, when they see a younger client, they can say, hey, you know what? I know who can help you. So that's a way that I can make myself useful. So you just want to brand yourself. You know, everybody can find fun things to share about their life. So that's a really important thing. So if you're if you find this topic interesting, feel free to message me and I can always create an expanded episode on how to brand yourself. Number 11 in 14 ways to reduce burnout is to have a sense of humor and include creativity. Those might be two separate things. But anyhow, again, so we're at work, you know, eight hours a day, if not more, hopefully just eight hours a day. But um, how can we have a sense of humor at work and how can this help us reduce burnout? Definitely bringing in fun stuff, lighthearted things. Do appreciate it when people have it. So that's really fun sometimes to be a little bit playful. Um, and then creativity is huge. So some of the ways to reduce burnout are to be creative and you always want to think outside the box and think about your for yourself how to include creativity into your day you know if i really got into it i could think of probably a dozen ways that i'm creative throughout the day but then i would let you into my head and i probably shouldn't do that i need to just stick with the plan <laughs> stick with the checklist here but there's all kinds of ways that i'm creative throughout the day and in terms of organizing things and just making you know, work life fun and enjoyable while staying productive and staying focused on the task. So that's number 11 on how to reduce burnout. Have a sense of humor and creativity. Number 12, exercise. You know, this varies, but you want to exercise at least three times a week, uh, especially if you have a desk job. In fact, it's probably recommended to exercise five times a week for 30 minutes, do some walking. Um, in order to reduce burnout, we do need outlets like healthy coping skills and exercise is one of the most important coping skills along with meditation and having um, a positive support system. So exercise is crucial. Um, number 13 is keep a sense of perspective. So maybe I've mentioned this before, but my personal motto, my brand model is realistic and sustainable. So everything I do, I'm always wondering and asking, is this realistic and is it sustainable? What I practice, what I teach is realistic and sustainable. I'm not looking for something that's not realistic. So number 13, keep a sense of perspective really helps me tap into what's realistic. So as I mentioned, realistically, most of the people I talk with and that I know are going to be working 25 to 30 plus years of our life. So that's a long time. And realistically, we want to keep a sense of perspective because most people, they do work 25, 30 years and a lot of them get really good at it. So even though it's kind of hard to get adjusted in the beginning, eventually 
you will learn to have a healthy work-life balance. And so I'm giving you some quick tips to reduce the suffering and make it happen sooner. And so a lot of the things that come up and that I see are panic attacks, anxiety attacks, um, just general stress and career burnout because we're doing too much. So we don't have like a balance in life and that leads to burnout. So you want to always remember, hey, I'm in this for decades. And so you want to pace yourself and um, slow it down. So slow and steady and, you know, be able to find joy and enjoy every day. And number 14 is enjoy a life outside of work. And so the last two episodes I did, did, did go into depth about how to enjoy a life outside of work. So that's number 14 and that's super crucial. That's it, and I'll go through the summary again. So number one was time management, two was taking mini breaks, three, take notes, checklists, cross things off, four, get rid of your notes somehow, doesn't have to be shredding, number five, drink water, six, take the full time for lunch, seven, leave work on time, or at least strive to, or at least pay attention to if you can't. (laughs) Self-awareness is half the battle. (laughs) So number eight is boundaries. Um, you know, managing your time and energy boundaries and staying focused on, you know, solving problems and not getting into too much processing. Number nine is stay in your lane and stay true to your training. Number 10 is branding yourself, like share the fun parts about your life. 11, have a sense of humor and creativity. 12, exercise. 13, keep a sense of perspective. And number 14, enjoy a life outside of work. So those are several tips to reduce burnout. Um, It does seem like there's a lot that's just, you know, a big comprehensive list. And if you can just simply include one or two or three of those things and just start practicing them, you may find that work life can become less overwhelming and you may feel less burnout. So if you don't, then feel free to message me or um, email me and then we can chat about it a little bit more in depth. So that's it for tonight. It's Sunday evening and I am going to get ready for my week. Since I started making this podcast, I am more than ever focused on having a great week. So I wish you all a great week as well and have a good happy first week of December. So take care friends. I'll see you next episode.